Mm. We're going to go to uh, some text messages. Um, this one coming through here. Considering alcohol was an invention of Satan, what are Oof. we to expect? Destruction and money go together very, very well. Talking about the lockout laws. Mm. You know, there's this thing called the rules of stupid. You know, you don't go to stupid places with stupid people at stupid times and do stupid things. And really, the lockout laws, that was all about. It was just enforcing the rules of stupid. Yes. And, of course, you break the rules of stupid, bad things are going to happen to you. You can get away with it once or twice, maybe. Um, You can get away with breaking some of those. For instance, um, shift workers, they have to... Be up at stupid hours of the night. Mm-hmm. That's a requirement, and sometimes they have to be in stupid places at stupid hours because their shift work takes them there. And sometimes you can get away with breaking one or two of the rules of stupid, but you can't get away with breaking all of them all the time. Mm. And the lockout laws were just about, let's just get rid of the rules of stupid. That's a, I've never heard that saying before. That's awesome. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to use that from now on. Good. I'm glad. Seems like you're breaking the rules of stupid, buddy. That's like, it. Dude, that's, that's like a kind of ruler that you can hold up to literally any situation. You can, you can hold it up to any situation and say, is this the rules of stupid right here? Are we breaking the rules of stupid? <laughs> Going to start an insurance company and the policy is based on the rules of stupid. Do not break the rules if of stupid. If you break the rules of stupid, you don't get insurance. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. All right, Lyle, what else is going on? Okay, did we do another clue? Yes, we did another clue. We, oh, we were in the middle of text messages. Yeah. That's where we are. Um, about freedom of speech and so far. Freedom freedom and choices are gifts from God. Religious mm. liberty is for everyone else but Christians, it seems, in our world today. Ooh. And it's kind of true, you know, because, you know, you have Dark Mofo down there in Tasmania or you have Netflix with their uh, miniseries on the gay Jesus and these kind of things, which are incredibly hurtful for Christians. Mm. And it's kind of like, well, if you picked on any other religion like that and just absolutely slammed them and muddied their name from one side of the country to the other, you would cop a lot of heat for that. Mm. And if you did it particularly for some of the secular ideologies that are around the place, you'd be crucified. You'd, you'd be ended. You wouldn't be... You'd, yes. You would, like, no work, no nothing, like... But if you do it against Christians, you get celebrated. Mm. And, you know, when you see that happening, I think as Christians we need to remember that Jesus says, if the world hates you, if you love me, the world will hate you. And that, you know, the time's coming when they will think that they are doing God's service when they take your life. Mm. We we have to see it, like, from all perspectives as well. Like, I think the, the common conception is that, like, oh, we can do it because Christianity's been so bad in the past. Mm-hmm. But this isn't this isn't the reality, no. because every people group has been bad in the been past. bad in the past. Like every group of people have done terrible things. Um, so therefore, it's like you can't just and and not on a like. And firstly, Christianity Christianity does terrible things in the present. Oh, hundred percent. And we need to recognise that as well. Mm. Doesn't justify doing the wrong thing. Yeah, hundred percent. And ah, uh, yeah, man, it, it it does sting. Hey, I remember like there was a story like probably a year ago about the the Hall of Reformers in Germany and how someone like paint bombed it with like rainbow paint and it was like getting back at Christians for you know like. Um, you know, it was protesting against Christians on behalf of gay rights. And I'm like, bro, this is the whole of reformers. Like, literally the birth of protesting. Yes. Like, one of the most... Protestants. F- yeah, the, the, the birth of Protestants. But, like, one of the most important cultural movements of all time. Like, one of the things that, like... Uh, bought freedom and liberty and bought a mindset of freedom that means that... 
the rainbow community now has freedom. Yeah, like you exist because of these people. Yeah, you try, you try and exist, you try and exist outside of these people and the mindset, the Christian mindset of love and acceptance that they brought to the world. Mm. You know, try living under Adolf Hitler as a rainbow person. Yeah. Ex- try, executed. Try living under the, you know, the oppression of the, the Church of the Dark Ages. Cause that's what yes, they were protesting that, against. Absolutely. Like yeah. that was literally, burned at the stake. literally all of Europe was under the, you know, religious and, and, um, monarchical oppression. But then because of these people, the world changed and you, and yeah, it's just so like, and for us, because they were Christian, like for us as Christians, like I look at them as great heroes, you know, I read their stories of how they, how they gave their lives and it literally brings me to tears to see such devotion to such a righteous cause, to be so selfless and to see people who are directly benefited because of that just you know, spit in the face of it. It's tough. It is. But, you know. Let me just finish this text message. Um, God told us this would happen in the last days. They don't Mm. realize that when you take freedom from one, you really take it from everyone, including and especially the ones that bought in the Lord's. God will bring it back on their own heads. It reminds me of the story of Mordecai and Haman and the scaffold that Haman built to hang Mordecai on. That's actually, that's hectic. That's so gnarly. It is. It is. And, I mean, if you look at every other circumstance where freedom of speech and freedom of religion has been taken away in the modern world, it has resulted in millions and millions of deaths. Mm-hmm. You know, for this whole concept of we've got to have equality, so we're going to enforce equality through law mm-hmm. and placing equality over freedom rather than freedom over equality. You get that equa- equation wrong, and you're going to have millions of deaths of the people who were fighting for it in the first place. Mm. That's pretty full on. Yeah. Um, yeah, so on the money there. Okay, another one here. Um, somebody just texts through, ha ha, rules of stupid. Using it. <laughs> <Someone's> <laughs> Let's gonna, go. Let's uh, go. Rules of stupid's been around for, yeah, a fair while. I'm not the inventor of that. I forget the name of the guy who's the inventor of it, and I may have even quoted it slightly wrong, mm. but it is one of those things that I think it would be a good thing to make a part of daily life. Do not break <laughs> the rules of stupid, because if you do break the rules of stupid, then stupid things will happen. Yeah, well, it's the classic saying, you play stupid games, you win, win stupid, stupid prizes. prizes. That's it. <laughs> so that's, that's it. the condensed form of the rules of stupid. You do, you do dumb things with dumb people at dumb times. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's awesome. All right, do we have anything else to talk about? That's it. Let's Ooh. get into our Bible study. Right, yeah, let's, let's do go. this. Let's go. Uh, da, 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 da. Where are we up to? Genesis chapter 18, I believe we're going to. Mm-hmm. Is this the one we're up to? Yes, Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19 is our Bible study verse for today. Genesis 18 verse 19. <laughs> the Bible says this, I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. Okay, so the covenant here, is this a covenant of grace or a covenant of works? Uh, it's a covenant of Obedience. Okay, it's a covenant of obedience. Absolutely, it's a covenant of obedience. Um, obedience has become, and this is a weird thing. Have you noticed how obedience has become a dirty word in Christianity? You know, in the last yeah. fifty years or so, mm. it's it's just strange because anytime you talk about obedience, I mean, the Bible is full of obedience. The New Testament is full of obedience. People freak out, like, "Are oh, you talking about works?" Mm. Like as if living a righteous life is somehow. 
or aspiring to live a righteous life is somehow salvation by works. Mm. What are we going to do as Christians? I mean, seriously, think about what you're saying there. Does that mean that we're going to get rid of good works? Yeah, wow. Mm. So that we can be Christians? So that we can be under grace? I mean, Paul specifically addressed that. What, what's, what's actually going on here as far as grace and works goes? You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. You know, it's like Paul said, you know, shall we sin so that grace may abound? No, of course not. Definitely not. He, uh, what does he say? Heaven forbid? Yes. Yeah. Yes, forbid God it so. Forbid. Yeah. But it's, this is like the formula. It's the formula for toxic Christians. Is, is this idea that, like, in, even in the, like, you know, in the, in the, the culture of the most cruisy, lovey-dovey, feel-good Christians, when there is this removal from a, like, uh, of uh, the obedience to, to God's statutes and commandments, like the things that he tells us to do, it always ends up in this, yeah, terribly toxic situation. Um, because this is a thing, like, a life, as the secular life requires obedience. Obedience to the law, obedience to the um, ideals and standards of your employer, obedience to, like, the, the reason why secular... The school do you go to? The school do you go to? The reason why... Because there are secular people who have successful relationships. How? Because they're obedient to their spouse. Like, as, a, you know, in the, in, the, in the relationship sense where you're faithful. Try being, try being a part of the military. Yeah. And, oh, uh, we're under grace. <laughs> yeah. Where have to obey orders? We're under Isn't grace. Isn't so ridiculous? Yeah, we, we put that in the church of God and in, you know, literally the, the, the king of the universe, the one who has the right um, to call for obedience, we say that he doesn't need it. We don't need to be obedient to him. Isn't that crazy? And we can function just fine without that. And and then you see these... And God's church will function fine without that. And God's people will function fine without that. And it never works. It never works. And you see the terribly tragic stories. You know, there are, like, terribly tragic things that come out. But then all the stuff that just bubbles under the surface, the toxic, scandalous Christianity and the terrible culture that it creates of, of, of fighting, of, you know, church politics, all these things, all, I believe, come from, you know, firstly, from the, the sinful human heart, but a belief that we don't need to change. Um yeah, oh man, my my mind is racing, and yeah, I don't want to call anyone out, but at the same time, like I, I just think of situations of you know big famous pastors who get done for you know being um, promiscuous and and cheating on their spouses and and all these kinds of things that all of those things like it, it all reflects onto Christianity in a bad way, mm. which is terrible. It's like it, yeah, they're doing a complete disservice to God by claiming that obedience isn't part of the picture. Yeah. Because 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 of their own bad actions. They're like, oh yeah, obedience is bad. And because they've you know, they they hold that opinion and then they act terribly and then who does it reflect badly on God? Every it's single time. Tragic. Every single time. And this part of the problem is that we've had this mantra that in Christianity we have been preaching over and over and over again for like the last I don't know however long that we're saved by grace, not by works. Mm. And then that has somehow been translated into, well, works are not a part of salvation, so therefore we don't need to do good works. And the moment you start to talk about good works, you're talking about salvation by works. And, then and you- people have this big freak out like of a salvation by works. And 
it's almost like we reject living a righteous life because of it. We demonize. We demonize righteousness. Isn't that crazy? Even within Christianity, you know, people I mean, the devil could come up with a plan like this. People, people demonize righteousness in the world, right? Yes. And taking a stand for God. You know, sometimes we can, we can be tone deaf as Christians and yes. uh, take incorrect stands. But, you know, there is just general righteous things that Christians do that they get criticized for in the world. But then we demonize them in the church. And that's crazy. Like this is this is what we need. Not do. I know we've kind of gone on a bit of a tangent here, but at the no, same yeah, time, but we have kind of gone on a tangent, but we haven't gone on a tangent but, because, but, I mean, because you look this at the is passage. what all this is about. Yeah, for I know him. That's where it starts. Mm. Uh, God chooses Abraham. God's made this choice. He's chosen Abraham, and the reason he's chosen Abraham is because he will command his children and his household after him. They will keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. In other words, God knows Abraham that he's going to raise up his children to be obedient to God. This God just sounds like a really smart employer. Yeah. Like he's just like, yeah. do it, you know, he's just calling a spade a spade. He's like, oh yeah, I'm going to use Abraham because mm-hmm. like, he he he's good, like because I can use him, you know. Uh, it's n- n- you know when we get into this conversation, then it's not like Abraham isn't more inherently talented than anyone else. Abraham isn't more you know better than anyone else. But it's just that like, and what God really needs, and th- what employers look for, as well as you know usually like you know a degree or some kind of qualification in that field, is your ability to be tenacious, yes, and to to you know complete the objectives that they've set forth. And and Abraham has looked at, he's like, okay, so he's qualified in the sense that he's a human being uh and and that's you know what it is with god like he qualifies us he you know god is incredibly gracious and amazing but he's also like oh yeah like abraham is tenacious and faithful enough to do this um not because he's more special but just because he he chooses to be you know you sort of think about it and and it's it's one of those weird questions that sort of arises at different times. Mm. You know, when you talk about the commandments of God and people like, well, am I going to, um, can I be saved by keeping the commandments? No. The Bible is clear on that. You mm. are saved by grace alone, through faith. Mm. All right, so then can I be lost by breaking the commandments? And everybody's like, uh... <laughs> How do we answer that question? Because nobody wants to actually say, well, you know, we can... Nobody actually wants to say you can go out and have free reign to kill, cheat, murder, lie, steal, etc. Under grace. Nobody actually wants to say that, even though they do kind of say that a lot. Mm. And I think we need to find some balance here between the role of grace and the role of works. Mm. So let's let's actually go and have a look at that. Let's go to uh, the book of Ephesians and let's read this passage here in Ephesians where the Bible talks about um, salvation by grace. And we're going to use this as our foundation. It needs to be the foundation uh, whenever we are dealing with this particular subject. So we'll go to Ephesians, um, where are we, Verse uh, chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. 
Uh, if you could read those for us, please, Lawson. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, the Bible says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Okay, so is the Bible then clear that salvation is by grace? Mm. Through faith. Mm-hmm. It's free. Mm-hmm. It's a gift. Yep. You can't earn a gift. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're clear on all of that so far. Then the Bible goes on and qualifies the statement in uh, verse 10. Yes, and it says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Okay, so what was God's purpose in creating us? Uh, to do good things. And when we are recreated by the power of the Holy Spirit, what is God's purpose in recreating us by the power of the Holy Spirit? Doing good things. Doing good things. Yes. So Paul doesn't come along and say, hey, you're saved by grace, therefore uh, sit back, relax, take life easy, um, because it's all been done. Paul says, no, you've been saved by grace so that you can... Mm. Do good things. And it's a twofold thing, hey, that firstly, you can do good things because your salvation by grace is so, um, what's the word? It's so inspiring. Like it's because your, your, your salvation by grace inspires you to do so. God is so loving. God is so giving. Like, why would you not want to do good things if he has saved you? If he has laid down his life for you. But furthermore, then God gives us the Holy Spirit. Like, and he's even like, okay, like, oh yeah, compelling. That's the word that I was looking for. That salvation itself is so compelling that we do good works. But then furthermore, God's like, oh yeah, and I'll help you to do so. Like through the power of the Holy Spirit. Like I'll literally live in your life and create you. And like, I will do a supernatural work in your life and create you anew and afresh. I mean, the reality is that I was doing a fine job of sinning before I met Jesus. Mm. I didn't need to meet Jesus so that I could continue on. Wow. Mm. You know, doing exactly the same as what I was doing. I was I, I, I was very effective at sinning. I needed to meet Jesus so that he could change my life and mm. turn me around and make me into a righteous person. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we take one of the uh, commandments, uh, for example, thou shalt not kill. Mm. Yeah. Um, are you saved by... Not killing people. Uh, no. No. Because there are lots of people who lo- who were lost who never right. killed anyone. Can you be lost by killing someone? Uh, yeah. Therefore, people will say, oh, that's salvation by works. But in fact, it's not. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so we've got text messages coming through. I believe that uh, we've got phone calls coming through. Uh, we might have a phone call here in just a moment. <laughs> we might have lost that person, but anyway. Mm. Um, we're talking about the um, faith and grace. And, you know, we talked about, you know, can you be saved by not murdering people? No, you can't be saved by not murdering people. Can you be lost by murdering someone? Yes, you can be lost by mm. murdering someone. So isn't that another way of saying we can be saved by not murdering people? No. The answer is that our actions demonstrate, they're a demonstration of where our heart is. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so our actions, you know, the Bible says, by their fruit you will know them. And so somebody who's going around murdering people and claiming to be a Christian is not a Christian. Mm. That's the simple reality. If you claim to be a follower of Christ but refuse to follow him, then your actions reveal your lack of love. Mm. That's really what it comes down to. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And the reason that we keep God's commandments is not to be saved. 
It is because we are saved. And when we break God's commandments, it shows a lack of salvation. Yes. That's the simple reality right there. Somebody texted through with uh, this statement right here. The real issue with keeping the commandments, um, obedience, is really that they will do anything to reject the true Sabbath. Ooh. Pretty solid. Okay, let me finish. Let me finish here. So they must reject the rest of the list verbally. No one in their right mind really to reject the other nine, as far as Christians go. Hundred percent. I've. Oh, that is such a good point, right? Because because the Bible. The only reason it's the only reason you ever find people arguing against the Ten Commandments. So I did a Bible study one time with it with an older Christian lady. Uh, you know, she would have been in it. She was like a grandmother in her maybe sixties, uh, six between sixties and seventies, something like that. And uh, my friend had done a Bible study with her on the Sabbath. And she was very cross because of it. She's like, no, like, this is an attack on the New Testament. This isn't true. Da, 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 da. And so then uh, I went with my friend and we did this Bible study together. And uh, she had prepared her own Bible study for us. And she essentially went through, like, her reasoning as to why we don't need to keep the Sabbath is because the Romans gave us a new day. And um, Okay, so we follow the pagan Romans. Ex- yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, you know, to distinguish, because that's what it was. Like, the Romans gave us, we took a new day to distinguish ourselves from the Jewish people, which is yep. c- kind of... The Romans were having a war with the Jews, and we didn't want to be involved in that war with the Jews, and we didn't want to be branded as Jews as being Christians. We're like, no, we're Christians. We're in a different religious group, mm. so we'll worship on um, the pagan day. On the day. pagan day, oh, which is, yeah, was incredibly incorrect and led to a lot of terrible things. But, um, you know, uh, I, I just started going through with her. I'm like, okay... Okay, so I sat there and thought for a little bit, and I just asked her the question, like, how does it make you feel when someone, like, blasphemes God's name? And she's like, awful, terrible. Mm. Like, it just, it, it just makes... Stabs a knife into your yeah, heart. Yeah, you know, using Jesus' name in, in, the, in the incorrect way and, and, and really undermining God in that way. And I'm like, oh, man, for real. You know, how, how does it make you feel when, you know, people disrespect their parents and she's like you know i come from a generation where we loved our parents where we did everything for them and where we respected them and supported them to to death until they died uh you know i I was just asking you these questions and i'm like "Well, well woman like all of these things are ideals that are given to us by god through the ten commandments and the sabbath is the only one that you won't accept and you know, unfortunately, she was like, I've been convinced against their will. Yeah. She was like, all right, leave. And we left. And oh, and my, Ooh, fr- ouch. And my friend as well, um, you know, she's absolute gun, Ellie Penman. She made the point too from uh, the book of Acts, you know, uh, where we ought to follow God rather than man. Uh, she said that. And, and this lady was just like, all right, leave, like get out. And we didn't do another Bible study with her. Didn't see her ever again. And it's so funny because this lady, she was like, this lady was like an old Christian lady, like going to church every week. Son was a minister in, in, you know, in a, in a Christian church. Uh, but it's just, it sounds like a person under see. very deep, conviction. very deep conviction. And it ultimately shows us like, uh, you know, we turn this conversation into the, into the, into a conversation of the Sabbath, but you know, what God is really looking for is obedience. Joining us on the phone, uh, calling through one of our listeners is Bruce. Bruce, welcome to the show. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was just going on what we were talking about, works and righteousness, that <clears throat> it really, it, it's that covenant relationship that we have with God. You know, when you look at Adam and Eve in the beginning when they sinned, you know, that they, the life that they, they couldn't pass on eternal life because the life now that they lived was a life mm. separate from God, you know, and that's why everybody dies. And so we have to be born again and restart this relationship with God where he's the one that's doing the work through us and we we allow him to do that. We're acknowledging. Otherwise, we take the credit for the works, you know, mm. and really it's not. It's God. It's doing it, and that's the trouble that we, you know, we have self righteousness instead of God's righteousness. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the, that's the problem. We don't, and self righteousness really is blind. We can't see it. Mm. It is, and it's one of those big challenges that you know, as as human beings, you know, I think it's just sort of creeps in a little bit because we can be righteous through the uh, through the grace of God and then apply it to ourselves. Yeah, wow. And yeah. Uh, and and that's a trap. That's a trap that the devil always likes to trap us into. He's like, "Oh, you think you're pretty you know, you're a pretty good person." And that's not really the yeah. point at all. Yeah, because the works are righteous, but it's are we claiming it ourselves or are we realizing, "Hey, that's God working through me. I'm I'm the one that needs the grace, you know. Mm. I'm I need him." You know, I, I I can't do it without him. Even when we're doing it without him, we're, we're still not, we are doing it with him, but we're not acknowledging him. Mm, mm. I love the point that you brought up before about Adam and Eve and how literally it was their sin that, that they pushed themselves away from God. Like if we, yeah. you know, if us today, it's the same thing. You know, if we claim, oh, you know, disobedience is a part of my religion, you're basically saying, oh yeah, part of my Christianity is pushing away Christ. Are your sins have well, separated between you and your God. Mm. Well, one one thing interesting, what God actually said to Adam and Eve, he said they've become like us, being God, you know. In other words, the thing about it is what they were doing, the righteous acts, now we're claiming that we're doing it. But actually, it's not us doing it. It never was. It's God doing it in us. But we're more or less, we're God now, you know. We know good and evil. So we're in that position of God rather than God being in the position of God. And the devil has been trying to teach us that, uh, you know, has been trying to promote that idea of human beings being God ever since. Uh, he's done yeah. that in the Garden of Eden, and he just keeps pushing that whole concept right down through until now, and we certainly see that in secular society today. Bruce, thank you for uh, calling through. We do love to hear from our listeners here on Faith FM. Um, we've got to continue on with the program right now. We've had some great discussion on this issue of uh, Abraham's obedience and its relationship to the covenant. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, I guess it's now time for... Question of the Day. So our question of the day is, essentially, if God, you know, we've been talking about Abraham and the covenants in our Bible study, you know, if God made all these promises to Abraham and made this covenant from the beginning that he would solve sin and fix everything and made plans for that to happen, why is, you know, the history of this world taking so long? Yeah, why take 6,000 years? I mean, that's, mm. a, that's a, a, a tremendous amount of time. Okay, so there's a couple of different thoughts to that. 
because I mean the first thing that goes through my mind is that you know I live here as a human being for an average of 70 years and that's plenty enough to convince me that I don't ever want to live in a world of sin ever again yes and then when I get to heaven I never ever want to start what has happened on this earth ever 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 again now so let's let's deal with a couple of scenarios because I mean the reality is the answer to this question is I don't know all right mm. so I don't know but we can make some observations. The first is that we don't look at time in the way that God looks at time, neither do we look at time in the way that the rest of the universe looks at time. And God is in the business of getting rid of sin, not just for this world, but for the entire universe so that it never comes back again. That is why God is allowing a demonstration of the results of sin here on this earth. Mm. Now, of course, God who lives outside of time, he has this to say, or the Bible says this, um, Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. And so the great controversy that has been raging here on this earth, when you look at it from that perspective, from God's perspective, he's let it go for a week. Mm. That's pretty short. And you would say that's probably a minimum needed to be able to have a demonstration of the results of sin. It feels incredibly long for us, but once again the reality is that God has in his mercy created an environment in which we don't have to bear it for 6,000 years. Mm. He's shortened man's lifespan to an average of, the Bible says, three score and ten or 70 years. And, okay, so in Western countries these days, we might be getting a little bit past, a little bit longer than that. But the reality is God is merciful and God's like, okay, I'm only going to make you put up with this for 70 years. Uh, that's plenty enough. That's all that you need. And so it seems to me, from my observation, is that there are other parts of the universe that need a longer demonstration and that human beings need only a 70-year demonstration. And so God has balanced the two out to create a perfect environment so that the demonstration of the results of sin is just the right length so that Sin never comes back again. So the rest of the universe can see the results of it and go, you know what, I am never, ever, ever going to try and head down that path again, not because God has taken away my freedom to choose, but because I've seen the results of it. Then, of course, there is the other scenario that goes through our mind is, well, what if somebody does get to heaven and, okay, they've lived a pretty good life down here for 70 years and they think, well, you know, maybe it wasn't so bad. Maybe in 20 billion years from now, somebody's like, you know, the memory starts to fade. Mm. Well, then God has 6,000 years worth of recorded uh, big screen, widescreen TV images of the result of sin. And I think that that's going to be plenty enough for anybody to look at. The point is this. God is not making it last one day longer than necessary Mm. or one day shorter. God's plan is a perfect plan. He is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but all should have everlasting life. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.